Good evening. Good evening, sir, and good evening to our friends around the world. Welcome back to the Podcasting Guild Babylon 5, the show where neither of us know quite what we're doing, and he's never seen the show. And hopefully this will be a nice escape from the goings-on in the world today as we dive back into the universe of Babylon 5 with today's episode, The Grail. Or is it just Grail? One of those things. It's, Anyways. It's just Grail, which you know, I don't know why they dropped the the, but it works. This was an interesting episode. It picked up some of the threads of the you know, main... Well, I don't know. Did it? I thought it did when it... I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm sorry, Eric. It's been a long day. I interrupted you. What were you saying? No, I was just going to note that this particular episode fills in some of the gaps around the universe of Babylon, or the, the yeah. space station of Babylon 5 particularly, and helping to paint the picture a little bit of why people are there and addressing one of the questions that you had earlier on about why there are poor people on Babylon 5 and yeah. why there are gangsters there um, and kind of how that came to be as we learn a little bit about some of the local residents of Babylon 5 in this particular episode. Yeah, no, I agree. This was a great little slice of life, although, you know, a slice of underworld world life. And, you know, I have to say, with seeing how courtroom security works on Babylon 5, suddenly all those scenes in the customs house make perfect sense. <laughs> you know, Garibaldi has exactly two guys to work security, and he constantly has them on honor guard for, for someone or another. Yeah, it's the only way that makes sense. (laughs) Yep. Speaking of the the courtroom, I I did enjoy that little aside when we first saw the courtroom, where there's the guy that's accusing the uh, alien of abducting his ancestors. (laughs) That was was such a beautiful touch. Uh, I I really like that. Yeah, his great-grandfather abducted my great-grandfather. Yeah, that was great. And I just want to point out that the alien that he was taking that case against is a Vri. And if you recall the episode where all the non-aligned world's ships showed up, the Vri have the flying saucers. Those oh, are their ships. Beautiful. <laughs> that's that's beautiful. So I do want to circle back just a little bit yep. because there was a comment in the very first scene where Garibaldi's wolfing down something, food. Yeah. And Sinclair kind of comments on it, and Garibaldi's <laughs> like, I've seen you eat, and then makes a comment about the Doppler effect, <laughs> which I didn't totally get. Does that mean he's moving fast? And so there's a Something Doppler like effect? Something like that. Yeah. And I say, I think my he, physics background really failed me on that, on that jab. Um, okay, all right. I'm, I'm going to call that pretty, pretty weak. <laughs> pretty weak. You wouldn't even get groans, I think, if you dropped that and, uh, you know, the, <laughs> the, the physics table. National physics conference. Or, yeah, yeah, I was just thinking around the lunch table. You know? Okay, okay. But yeah, <laughs> I liked that. And then at the end of that scene, I liked when Garibaldi was voluntold <laughs> to be an honor <laughs> yeah. That was great. I do really like Sinclair and Garibaldi's dynamic. Yeah, they have a good dynamic of old friends, basically. and Sort of a world-weary. It's got real, like, diehards in space vibes. You know, uh, we're getting too old for this stuff. right? That <laughs> Are you kinda... just saying that because Garibaldi looks like a cut-price Bruce Willis? I mean, he does. That's, yeah, <laughs> he absolutely does. Store-brand Bruce Willis. <laughs> so after, after we see Garibaldi get voluntold, store-brand Bruce Willis, we meet our second or third some another a new mob boss 
who <laughs> is extorting uh, this character. I forget his name, but he's, he's he's one of the main characters for the episode. He goes by Jinxo in the episode. Jinx, that's right. And at the end, he's he's like, my name is Thomas. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Is threatening Jinx and saying like, oh, you owe us money. And actually, I love how naive Jinx was at the start of this interaction where he's like you know i helped you out and jinx is like yeah you sure did he's like yeah yeah loaned you a lot of a lot of credits when you you really needed it he's like yeah boy do i appreciate it it's like dude little situational little little genre savvy maybe would go a long way here Mm -hmm. read the room buddy (laughs) he didn't call you into the uh you know into the lobotomy uh chamber here just yeah. to comment on how nice he's been to you. Anyway, <laughs> then they uh, put the lights up and it's like two feet behind Jinx is this <laughs> poor woman tied to a chair. And, you know, after making some more threatening remarks from the mob boss, this weird tentacle comes out and basically just like lobotomizes her forehead, slaps yep. to her forehead and she's brain dead. And thus we are introduced to like the bad guys of the episode, the dangers yeah. aboard Bab 5. And I thought that was pretty interesting. Oh, oh, and of course I missed the super notable detail, which is when the tentacle recedes from its business, it appears to have emanated from Ambassador Kosh's uh, suit. Right. And suddenly you're like, what? Were you thinking that was actually Ambassador Kosh for a second, or were you... I mean, of course I was. Of course I was. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I was absolutely floored. It really wasn't until the other characters went to visit Kosh, and I was like, okay, his face is lit up, and his suit is articulated in ways that that other one wasn't articulating, Uh, so it's probably not him. But, But yeah, up until they reminded me what Kosh looked like, I was like, oh, that's definitely Kosh. (laughs) <laughs> and to be clear, they probably use the same. Like, how many Kosh suits do you think they have? They probably yeah. use the same suit. Just turned the lights off. Yeah, exactly. They probably just turned the lights off and maybe put some dust on there and make it look dirty. Yeah, I did love at the end. Sorry, this is skipping way to the <laughs> when uh, Sinclair is like, you you make people nervous, and Kosh is like, why? It's like, what do you mean, dude? You're a unit. Are you kidding? You're a triple wide. <laughs> Like, yeah. look at the size of everyone else on the station and look at you. You're like a foot and a half taller and three times the width. Yeah. Even if there is nothing under but just like a soft, furry creature, you'd still be a grizzly bear. You're, you'd be terrifying. <laughs> yeah. So I just thought it was funny. It's like, wow. Oh, and then, <laughs> yeah. like, Sinclair asked him another question. And then he's like, yeah, they're afraid of you. And he's like, good. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. And then he's like, good. It's like, yeah. Well, you know, they could have made that suit look like a bunch of things. They probably they meant it to look intimidating, you know? Yes, the, I think the for sure. Vorlons. Okay, and so the other part of this episode is introduced with Ambassador Delenn. Oh, no, well, she interrupts. That's right. In like the first scene where they, yeah. with the Doppler effect comments, uh, she's like, hey, there's someone really important coming. Aren't you going to join us? Mm-hmm. And Sinclair's like, oh, I didn't realize he was important. <laughs> and it turns out he's not. Not in the least. Like, in hindsight, Delenn was being kind of a prick about the whole situation, if I have to say. She was like, yeah, I can't believe you, you know, he's this important religious figure. And then it turns out he's seeking the Holy Grail. And Sinclair's <laughs> like, well, we don't really believe in the Grail. And Delenn's like, yeah, I've never even heard of it. We just, we just respect the game, bro. 
don't you yeah. respect the game? And so, and and I'm sitting here like, wait a minute, you inter you interrupted this man's meal to be like, what are you doing sitting here? You have to come greet this really important. Like it's like how <laughs> rude of you. You interrupted his meal to dress him down. Mm-hmm. You didn't even know this guy. You didn't know what the Grail was. You just you know he was an influencer and you liked his style. <laughs> no, I mean I get it. Like their culture respects seeking. I get it. But yeah, yeah, no. Definitely different value systems involved here. Oh, Quite different. Sure. Yeah. Like no value being placed on just let me eat my meal, guys. <laughs> and then, you know, when they introduce them, they're like, oh, yeah, sorry, I didn't let you know, Commander. And once we understand who he is and like the nature of the order, it's why would you have thought like what? I don't email the mayor of, you know, <laughs> Milwaukee when I'm flying into Milwaukee. Like, yeah. like he sees himself as kind of a, a relatively unimportant figure. He obviously he does. doesn't he see does. himself as a messiah. So, yeah, the initial presentation, I think, didn't necessarily mesh with our final understanding <laughs> of the situation. I think it just demonstrates definitely the entirely different value system of the Vimbari, at least part of the Membari that Dylan is a part of and how religion is a really big deal to them. Right, yeah. And while religion isn't necessarily uh, downplayed in Earth culture at this point, it's not central to Earth culture like it may have been at other points in the past, particularly in relation to the Holy Grail. And he doesn't really... Aldous, who's the character, comes forth um, seeking the Holy Grail doesn't really mention what order he's a part of. I mentioned he might be like a Templar or something, considering those were the only holy orders I knew of that actually sought the Holy Grail during the Crusades. Yeah, no, I had some questions about this order as well because there were some moments in it where he's talking about like all the resources of my order are at my disposal. Yeah, but then it turns out that. Not only is he the last of his order, but the dude who he inherited this from was the last (laughs) of his order. In fact, it seems like the whole order really is constructed around dramatic last words. (laughs) <laughs> like that is the <laughs> the internal organization of this uh order yeah. his dying last words so yeah it wasn't like wait what, what was this dude rich why would this order have lots mm. of resources and also the more you talk about this order it seems more crazy not less crazy yeah <laughs> like the more the more he talked about his journey and i'll add he never really talked about why the grail specifically mm-hmm. and i get it the point was it doesn't matter what you're seeking as long as you're seeking it i felt like i understood the message but it felt like the character knew that it was just a placeholder yeah and it didn't seem like the character should have known that if he's devoting his life to searching for a specific object you'd think the character would have like very strong motivations related to that specific Mm -hmm. object but you didn't get that feeling he never really talked about the grail and any you know with any reverence or any length you got the feeling that the writers were just looking for something that someone could be searching for (laughs) that we would be like oh yeah that's a thing you would search for sure and you know fair enough landed on the holy grail yeah yeah i think it would have been cool if we had gotten a little bit more backstory on the order he was a part of maybe what it would have been like, like to have a future version of the Knights Templar and what they would be yeah. like in that time period. And like, oh yeah, I'm the last of the order that dates back to ancient Earth and the crusading period and 
or the last of our people trying to search for this holy relic that we really strongly believe in, like to your point, that should be a huge motivating factor for him going forwards, you would imagine. Yeah, totally. Although I will follow up that criticism with conceding that they got a lot of plot and character development <laughs> out of the 40 minutes of this episode. Yeah. Uh, it was a pretty tight episode. I'm not saying that they had tons of spare screen time they could have put <laughs> towards this dude just waxing philosophic about a cop. Yeah. They did have little nice touches there, like Garibaldi rolling his eyes and... Sinclair's reaction, talking to Dylan about it, kind of, again, hinting at everyone's thoughts on Aldous and where he comes from and that whole searching for the grill. Yeah. And Aldous was great, too. I mean, he was like Space Gandalf. Mm. He was just this, like, wise old man with a staff, part Jedi, mm. turns out. He's, he's a total badass with that staff. Yeah. As a character, I was into it. <laughs> and I love the redemption arc for, uh, uh, oh, what's his name? Jinx, Jinx, thank you. Yes. Yeah, Yeah, Jinx's arc in this episode was great to watch. Although, again, it just like... I don't know. It, we'll we'll get to it. We'll get to it. I felt like they uh, like they they just got to the scene they wanted to get to, and it didn't it didn't feel quite earned. One other important comment that was made during the scene where Delane is kind of interrogating Sinclair about you know the seeker is that she not implies she like more or less explicitly says that Sinclair is also a great seeker. Right. And of course the question that he and the audience are left is with what is he seeking? So I thought that was a nice little uh, thesis statement for, for the character. Bit of a very obvious foreshadowing there. Yeah, no, I, I yeah, <laughs> fair <laughs> enough. Yeah. Well, he's already been seeking a bit, right? Seeking True. memories. True. Yeah. Seeking. Uh, yeah. So, but yeah, no, no doubt that'll keep happening. Mm-hmm. Let's see. I giggled when Garibaldi referred to the crime issue as the down below problem <laughs> because I'm immature. <laughs> oh, and I love they gave the judge a British accent because, of course, he's all like imperious and stuff. And I couldn't help but notice that he sure gave a lot of concessions to the only other dude in this episode with the british accent which was alvis the seeker (laughs) and after a little bit of british accent to british accent uh whispering he's like you know what instead of arresting this criminal i'm just gonna send it with this send him with this dude my (laughs) new bestie alvis yep Which, again, is like what, you know, there's a reason that they had them whisper and didn't actually show what they said, because what could he have said that mm-hmm. would have made this judge, as he's sending, sentencing this dude, and they didn't indicate they knew each other. Albus just stood up in the audience is like, hey, can we talk? And the judge is like, yeah, all right, come on. Yeah. Let's hash it out. You and me. British accent to British accent. We'll, we'll work through this. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't speak to the legal system in Babylon 5 it's a joke. time period. It's a but joke. I, the only thing I can imagine is that because he was the one against whom the crime was committed, he was able to you know, determine if he wanted to press charges or that sort of thing. And maybe they gave him some leeway. I don't know. Yeah, could be. Could be. You know, while, while we're on the topic of the criminal justice system on Babylon 5, Garibaldi... Garibaldi surely bears some responsibility for the fate of that witness. I mean, he said, 
she was the only one willing to testify. Why wasn't she in witness protection? Exactly. Other people feared for their safety enough to not testify. He talked this poor woman into it and then clearly uh, did not follow through with any kind of protection or anything. Or, yeah, so this episode didn't explore any of that. Oh, hey, mm-hmm. Zoe. <laughs> um, but... Again, if you're prosecuting mob bosses and have key witnesses, like, come, yeah, get some witness security, get a little bit of uh, something, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. This this episode I mean, it, didn't show Garibaldi in a great light. The, the one suggestion he did have for how to solve the problem was sort of facetiously suggesting he wouldn't mind throwing them all out of an airlock, <laughs> which is like, come on, man. That's uh, yeah. I mean, Sinclair did come down on him a little bit about, maybe not specifically about the witness, but when Garibaldi's like, just give me all the money and the guards and I'll take out all the crime down below in a week's time. And Sinclair's like, we don't operate like that. You got to have actual evidence to take these people down. True, true. And, you know, the idea that people, this is a little bit of exposition that Sinclair, in sort of defending the people that Garibaldi's, uh, you know, complaining about, he's like, oh, they come here looking for new opportunities and... They can't afford a, a ride home, and so they, you know, turn to whatever means they can to survive. Yeah. And it's like, you know, fair enough. All that, all that checks out. Real life works like that. People move to cities and can't afford the cost of living or don't get the jobs they think they're yeah. going to be able to get, whatever. But like on a special purpose space station like this with limited everything, you'd think <laughs> everything's limited, right? Because it all has to be transported. You wouldn't think they'd let that happen, right? I mean, even Hawaii. I think like requires proof of a return ticket. <laughs> I went to New yeah. Zealand once and I had to like fill out paperwork showing I had enough money to stay there <laughs> and like that I wasn't just going to become broke and beg on their streets. So the idea that Babylon 5 is just letting people come in and just languishing in this underworld <laughs> that is also, you know, right like the the, the space UN and on top of all that it's also a military operation so you'd yeah. figure they'd have transport coming and going all the time that oh you can't afford to live here hop on the next, next military transport we'll send you somewhere where you can get off and make a life for yourself or something because it's a military operation so you have people coming and going all the time especially military people right yeah yeah exactly that's that's a great point and you know you got to figure figure living accommodations this close to like the seat of intergalactic politics has got to Mm -hmm. be at a premium right it's just i've mentioned this before but it blows me away that there's just these huge empty hallways and like vast (laughs) labyrinths of space it's like isn't this space expensive isn't this a finite resource uh (laughs) that several different species all need to share what i think it was is they wanted to be in space which fair enough Fair enough. Sci-fi shows in space. I dig it. But, you know, unlike the shows like The Expanse, they didn't spend any time at all thinking about like, well, how would life be actually different on a, on a space station? And what right. can we sprinkle in the show to make it feel like, uh, you know, space is this different alien environment? Yeah, like The Expanse did a good job of, of, you know, incorporating like sort of, you know, people who grew up in space would have underdeveloped bones and stuff. Although, you know, what bugged me about that show. I'll make one comment and then we'll be back to <laughs> Bab 5. Uh, how, how muscle bound some of the protagonists were and, and their backstory was supposedly, oh, yeah, I've been 
I've been out in the rim. I've been out in space for, for 20 years or for 15 years. It's like, then why are you shredded? Yeah. <laughs> what, like, what is you lifting weights in the vacuum of space? Like you don't look like you spent the last two decades in space. Okay. That's, that's my only comment about <laughs> uh, the expanse back to Babylon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a fair comment. I suppose. Yeah. Another, another funny thing with the court, scene before i get away from that with the re was when the bondsman or the judge i don't know why they call them an bondsman but they do <laughs> was trying to talk to the re character <laughs> the re character just holds up this this sign with some symbology on there and the, the judge is like oh god why do i always get these cases that's right and he's like can we get a translator please and i think that's just funny that they have <laughs> characters that just don't even speak at all and they just use symbology to communicate no totally i i agree with that i thought that whole bit yeah his great-grandfather abducted my great-grandfather maybe my favorite part of the episode i don't know yeah londo's bits were also pretty excellent but yes yeah um, yeah you, you know what else i have to say is this judge does not read his agenda in the morning he doesn't <laughs> he doesn't read the docket like yeah. he doesn't know what the case is about until the people pleading the case lay it out for him yeah <laughs> he's like skip to the chase you know why are you mm. here and, and and then uh yeah it turns out like the other you know the defendant is also here and it's like the judge has no idea what is this <laughs> judge judy in space yeah basically i mean the courtroom looked like that let's be honest it did it did it had that blue lightsaber rail yeah <laughs> that you know i get it. it makes it look kind of sci-fi and futury but it was a little too bright it kind of distracted mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah anyway yeah the the courtroom scenes were all it was excellent corn excellent cheese mm-hmm. and then after that obviously the judge releases jinxo into aldous's custody and this is where we learn a little bit about the babylon station's history and jinxo talks about how he was a zero g construction worker which sounds like a kind of cool job actually being out there in space and putting space stations together and yeah he talks about how the stations were sabotaged and then they kept getting further along making it partially there and then sabotaged again until babylon 4 was completed and shortly after it went online disappeared mysteriously and i you know, it's good to have some of that background there. I had to laugh out loud when he started his spiel because <laughs> he started with, doesn't anyone ever wonder what happened to the first four? And I'm like, <laughs> yes, thank you. <laughs> Only every single episode. It's weird that nobody else talks about it. Like, I don't know. The guy said it like in a detective movie or something where they're pointing out the crucial detail that you knew about. You just didn't place it in the puzzle. But in this case, I'm like, yeah, obviously, as soon as they hit that bit in the pilot, I was like, wait, what? (laughs) So, yeah, I'm with this guy. Why doesn't anybody, you know... (laughs) I feel like everybody would be talking about this all the time. Yep. Well, he understands you, Andrew, and he gives you some answers here. So there you go. Yeah. No, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. So this guy thinks he's the reason. That's why he's called right. Jinx. Is he's the reason they keep blowing up. Every time he leaves the station, something bad happens. And Elvis has a great line saying, oh, well, you sound pretty lucky to me. Yeah. Since you managed to leave just in time to not die. I thought he was going to say... 
you sound pretty lucky to me because the stations never have anything bad happen to them while you're on board. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that says to me that the station has a lot of bad juju, but you mm-hmm. have sufficient good juju to balance it out. You know? Yeah. That's, that's my reading. <laughs> and then we get back to Dr. Franklin, who makes a courtesy appearance, basically, to diagnose what happened with the witness and they discover it's a life form called a Narcoline feeder, which happens to be from Centauri territory. So Garibaldi and Sinclair go and talk to Londo about this, and Londo completely flips out and goes into hiding the rest of the episode, which is a fun little aside. Yeah. Oh my God. Londo <laughs> was so scared. I mean, I mean, I loved every minute of it. It was yeah. it was the comic relief of the episode. I was here for it, but it was also ridiculous. It's it was. Like, it was. What, what did he have personal interactions with these creatures that made them so scary? They never. They never mentioned anything like that. But yeah. Oh, and we got Space Newman back. I was worried he was gone forever, but no, he's back and he's <laughs> excellent. He he's delivering all the Space Newmanness uh, we've come to know and love. Yeah, actually, this was a great Londo episode. I loved all of Londo's bits in this episode. <laughs> we got. Oh, we got a. We got a casino scene. Yep. You know, whenever I think of Londo, I think of him in the casino, but really, this is only like our third one. We had one in the pilot. I can't yeah. even remember when another one was. I'm just assuming there's one that I'm forgetting about. And then and then this one. Well, the strip club is kind of next to the casino, so maybe those two. That's true. That's up. true. Yeah, it's same same skeevy feel. Uh, but yeah, I loved Londo back in the casino, losing as always. It just wouldn't yep. be Londo if he was winning. <laughs> I would have loved if he was pitching someone on his system Yeah, when they came in. But yeah, yeah. Love a good classic casino scene with Londo. When they ask him about this creature and he's like, this is purely hypothetical, right? And, <laughs> you know, Sinclair's like, no. Londo like actually literally runs away. Yeah. Like, like <laughs> runs up the stage. It's like... <laughs> And like peeks around the corner as he's going up the stairs to see if there's anything he runs in the other direction. And you know, I have to say, if this is something that would make his reaction reasonable, he's kind of a jerk for being so so vague about Mm -hmm. this creature. Like all he says about it is, "Oh, we encountered them when we colonized this world, and we lost a whole colony, and the only good feeder is a dead feeder." Like that's all Mm -hmm. he says. Which, if it warrants running away maybe say some more things like what they look like or how fast they are or you know anything yeah well uh, to be fair to londo he did immediately send all the classified data that he had on the feeder to sinclair you're right about that yeah he did do that so sinclair and garibaldi and ivanova are going over the data on the feeder and dr franklin confirms they were definitely uh, dealing with a feeder and Garibaldi notes that Deuce was seen speaking to Jinxo, so he then goes to track down Jinx. And then shortly thereafter, Aldis and Jinx show up at Londo's quarters to talk to him about the uh, Grail. And I like how when they come in, Londo is like yelling at some bureaucrat on the line about putting the quarantine back in place and do whatever it takes to make that happen. Yeah, that part was pretty funny, you know, and the implication that like uh, the quarantine was too expensive. Although you got to wonder how expensive could quarantining a planet be <laughs> given that it's surrounded by empty space. Well, I guess I guess 
you know, you can't have people land on. Okay, fair enough. Right. Fair enough. I retract <laughs> my comment. But yeah, that was a cute bit that he was just sort of raging about. <laughs> we'll put the quarantine back. <laughs> Londo really hates these things. He does. Uh, and then I love the next bit where he tries to extort all this. And Space yeah. Newman is like, oh, no, no, no fees <laughs> necessary. I went ahead and, and pulled the data. No problem. <laughs> yeah. Notice this is the same thing he did to the parents of that, that kid in that episode that you didn't like. When they came to him to ask for help, he's like, oh, the paperwork, all this other stuff. If Veer had been around, maybe they would have gotten a bit more help at that point. Who knows? Yeah, it is. It is Londo's MO, isn't it? To talk about yeah. how tedious and expensive the paper <laughs> will be. He's pulled that one a few times. Yeah. Oh, and, and we, we kind of skipped over, but in the part where we learn about a little bit what happened to the other four Babylons, all this talks about how he was given this staff by his predecessor who who he like met right before he died yeah and he this predecessor was the last of his order and now you know he is the last of his order and so again you know like how does this order have so much money <laughs> why does he not seem to care about yeah. the holy grail specifically that much <laughs> But it was a great setup. I love how they did the whole mentor arc in, mm. in 40 minutes. You know, like if you want to watch Karate Kid, but you just don't have <laughs> two hours. Yeah. Watch this episode. It, it's a very concise episode and it, they do well with the time frame that they're given to yeah. communicate, you know, that that arc as it goes through there. Which I think is a, a, a nice little writing trick if you will to make that happen that that thing definitely can't be easy for uh, tv writers to to make a complete arc like that for a character yeah no i agree every scene they had albison kind of you know helped build him as a you know this compassionate person and then a total badass and basically just gave you every reason in the world to to really like him yeah uh you know and then of course spoiler alert they kill him <laughs> And another spoiler alert, in a dramatic dying words, he passes the order on to Jinx uh, slash Thomas. Yeah. So like I said, an order based entirely around on uh, around dramatic last words. And apparently there's no estate tax in the future, so he just gets everything <laughs> automatically. Yeah, for real. <laughs> oh my God. And, you know, this brings us to the judge getting kidnapped, which... Again, it's just crazy easy to kidnap people. And I wonder why they picked the judge. Mm -hmm. Is it because they were trying to set up the mob boss as someone, you know, scary enough to be able to kidnap a judge? Because again, I thought it just like, A, the judge just acquitted him. Yeah. Right? Like had the, I was thinking maybe the judge was on his payroll or something. It made no sense for him to kidnap the judge. What about the lady's husband who they, mm -hmm. who they offed in the, in the opening episode or, uh, you know some other powerless person that i don't know i just wasn't very emotionally invested in the judge anyway okay so they kidnap the judge even though it's literally in his quarters on the reverse side of the courtroom there's like no <laughs> security you know these two thugs can just hang out by the judge's quarter and just grab yeah. him <laughs> <laughs> yeah you would think that you'd have a lot more security not just for judges but in that part of the station because that's in green sector where the ambassadors are yeah oh sure I mean, any security, a single bailiff. Yeah, in fact, that whole courtroom was, I mean, like, thank God he released Jinx into Elvis's custody. 
<laughs> what was he going to do if they were arrested? There was no one there <laughs> to arrest them. Just, <laughs> just walk yourself to the jail, please. Yeah. Very trusting society, I suppose. <laughs> totally, totally. All right. Do you want to do you want to talk about the the sort of climactic action scene that that followed, <laughs> or am I skipping over something? You know, obviously, with the end of the episode coming up, what happens is the judge precipitates that whole situation where now everyone's on high alert. Garibaldi gets his tactical team together, and of course, Sinclair volunteers to lead the charge. As he does. So is that why they had the judge get kidnapped? So that it would trigger some kind of situation that... But then Thomas just runs, literally runs into Sinclair. And Sinclair radios Garibaldi. They could have done all that without... Okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm getting (laughs) off on on a rabbit hole of bitching again. Uh, Keep going, Eric. (laughs) Right. Well, what happened was that Gaich or Aldous was trying to work with Jinx and then Jinx runs away to down below and then he tries to track him down and they just serendipitously run into the guys that kidnapped the judge. I don't know why that happened, but they did. And all right, what happened was that Aldous and Jinx go to meet with Kosh because Aldous wanted to talk to Kosh about the grail, of course. Aldous freaks out that Kosh is going to mind wipe him, runs away, for some reason. And all this goes to find him in down below, which is where they run into the mob gang that kidnapped the judge. Because they were happening entirely separately. They were they weren't tied together at all. They just randomly run into him. Yeah, yeah. No, that's true. They, they the two plot lines did tie together uh with some pure coincidence. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just listening to you talk about that, it reminded or you know, it, it brought attention again to the fact that they released this repeat criminal into Aldous's not even custody just like presence really yeah <laughs> and he's gonna go around to ambassadors yeah like what a petty thief <laughs> that i'm surprised that he didn't try to steal something from uh Malari's quarters <laughs> that actually would have been a great moment uh for you know albus to like stop him or something or give him a look yeah. or yeah yeah no, i agree but no we don't really see any I mean, I guess Jinx is like a coward because mm-hmm. he, he hides and then later overcomes his cowardice. But we never really see Jinx do anything too too objectionable. Yeah. So, you know, the redemption that he enjoys is really a redemption of A, not being in the, in the debt of these mobsters anymore, right? Because they've been mm-hmm. killed or brought to justice or whatever. And also like one of self-esteem and believing yeah. in himself and that kind of stuff. Right. And... So Aldous tracks down Jinx and down below and they get accosted by some mob gangsters and Aldous starts beating him up with his stick in kind of the old timey Star Wars episode four way that Obi-Wan does. Slow and, (laughs) you know, (laughs) tedious moves that seem to be miraculously really good at the same time. I know. It's it's clear that the actor just didn't have the you know martial arts chops right fair enough like you know but but yeah half the fighting was was a shot of him swinging the staff mostly off screen yeah and then it would cut to the bad guys sprawling on the ground so like (laughs) they must have gotten some footage of him thwacking them with the staff and i'm guessing most of it did not look tv ready yeah i guess yeah 
<laughs> I would imagine so. Yeah. And then that's where Jinx runs off and runs yep. into Sinclair. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So he takes down one of the bad guys. And the other one like tasers him. Right. And then Jinx runs off, runs into Sinclair and is like, you know, they've, they've got Elvis. Come with me. And Sinclair doesn't even ask. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Why are you and Elvis in the crime tunnels? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, Sinclair just rolls with it. He just rolls mm-hmm. with it. Okay, so then they go and find, or we cut to a scene where Albus is brought into the room that has the judge all tied up. Yeah. And the monster dressed as Kosh is sort of, you know, shown in the corner and they're going to start feeding people. To, and again, mm. like, dude, if you're a mobster, if you're trying to lie low on Babylon 5, why are you kidnapping judges? Why are you kidnapping judges that just acquitted you earlier yeah. that day? Yeah, that didn't make any sense. <laughs> it made no sense. It made no sense. Yeah. But okay, fair enough. They've got this judge. And by the way, him, he as a character in this episode is over. He is yeah. no longer a character. He is a prop. <laughs> like his the the role for the rest of the episode is him just sitting there. Oh, I think he I think he yells to Albus, save yourself at one Something point. Something like that. But yeah. yeah, other than that, he just is there to look scared. Yeah, I don't know. There, there's a big there's a big like action scene, big fight scene. Oh, uh, before we get away from it though. Oh, I'm sorry, go ahead, yeah. Another element of Aldous being a Jedi where he like persuades, I guess, the monster not to attack. <laughs> Or, like, come out of the shadows and show itself and then just stand there for oh, a second. Yeah. It's like, are you, I mean, <laughs> going back to the Jedi stuff, he might be a Jedi after all. There's mind tricks. Who knows? Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah, I was, I mean, obviously he's not a Jedi. Yeah. It's, it's different yeah. intellectual property. But, like, he's <laughs> he is a Jedi. Yeah. Like, it is unquestionable to me that the writers were thinking about a, about Star Wars and Jedis when they, when they wrote this character. I mean... Maybe that whole last of his line thing, last of his order, complete parallel with Obi-Wan, right? Oh, yeah, that's true. Well, yeah, and the outfit. Yeah. I mean, the the sort of um, earthy, tan-colored robes. Yeah, I mean, the idea that he is a, like a man of peace and, and you know, contemplation. Oh, be quiet, you. <laughs> uh, but, like, can kick ass on a, on a moment's notice if, if needs be. As long as the uh, camera cuts away. Most of the camera cuts away. <laughs> uh, you know, I do. I didn't think about it when watching the episode, but I do kind of love how Sinclair had this line about how we should sort of pity these people stuck in the criminal underworld and how it's you know a, a thing of desperation. But of course, all of that is forgotten when it comes to clobbering goons. Oh yeah, you know, like henchmen are still capital b capital g bad guys and it's totally okay to do whatever to them because exactly yeah yeah henchmen you can always beat up no problems with beating up henchmen exactly exactly like i know i named die hard before but you know in those (laughs) old action movies where they just mow down like five dozen faceless bad guys and then they get to the main bad guy and suddenly it's like i can't kill you killing is wrong or you know and it's like (laughs) dude you just wasted like a small village's worth of henchmen (laughs) yeah no one bothers to ask the henchmen why are you there maybe it's because their grandma got in debt and they're trying to pay off the grandmother's debt and the only way they could do it is by working for this guy 
and that's oh what God. they're doing. You know? I, I bitch about other <laughs> shows so much. Now I'm going to do the opposite of bitch. Venture Bros <laughs> does such a great job of like sending up the evil henchman trope. <laughs> it's so perfect yeah it's like the henchmen are constantly just like bitching about hr and their benefits yeah. <laughs> it's like yeah yeah tom was vaporized by a superhero yesterday but you know now i gotta cover his shift like yeah uh yeah great stuff okay <laughs> or anyway. that uh oh what is that i forget that sketch from that that british comedy show where they're the two german soldiers sitting down and they're like are we the bad guys oh yeah yeah that's a classic <laughs> clip that's made it into the zeta guys the show is that mitchell and web look the mitchell and web excellent yeah. i yeah. highly recommend it so maybe just before they got beat up the henchmen were saying the same things like are we really the good guys here or yeah. what's going on i don't understand why does the judge here i thought he acquitted us aren't we on the good guy's side now <laughs> totally totally well and you know that the labor rights in space episode i think could have absolutely explored this sort of gray areas of power and violence within the halls of babylon mm-hmm. 5 but for the most part it seems like the show is just going to assume that when sinclair and garibaldi apply the beatdown, <laughs> it's capital j just <laughs> yeah and for the time i think that's expected yeah, totally. No, it's it's true. It's true. This show is from the mid '90s. Shows like Game of Thrones and stuff that sort of thrives on subverting um, tropes of morality. I think were not really what people were looking for in the mid '90s. Yeah, and so the firefight ensues. People get shot. Henchmen get shot. Those poor henchmen who are just there doing their job. Yep, just doing their job. The poor creature that was brought on through. I mean, they made it kind of scary, but like he was just hungry. It's just want some food. It didn't ask to be on Babylon 5. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Maybe it did. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's just hungry. And, you know, for how dangerous we're told this thing is, these mob folks seem to be able to transport it with... And control it, too. Yeah, and too bend issue. it to their needs with relative ease. I kept expecting their hubris to be their downfall. And like, oh, yeah. you thought you could use this animal to affect your will, but now it has turned against... No, that never happens. <laughs> It never turns against them. Yeah, uh, it just gets shot to death by Garibaldi and friends. I have to say, there was some good splatter effect there. That was, <laughs> you know, we saw the dead pieces all, right. all splatter all over the place. Right. They didn't have the CGI chops to have the model be deformed by the shots, <laughs> so they had yeah. to put it against a wall so they could make a splat. <laughs> you could see. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 And then our friend and mentor Aldis gets shot as well i do want to point out i don't know if you know this but when he goes to protect jinx from being shot he actually turns in the wrong direction and gets shot in the back <laughs> oh it looks like he got shot in the shoulder yeah he, i think he was supposed to turn the other direction yeah they you must be right yeah he he gets like a, a winging shot just barely yeah. glancing off his shoulder or his back or something <laughs> but you know just from how the character is written you know he's dying right like yeah. it's yeah the mentor has to die <laughs> and then sure enough he he has this very dramatic scene with jinx and passes on the quest to him and jinx of course accepts it jinx takes on the mantle of yeah. the last 
Templar or fake Jedi or something. Exactly. Yeah. The last <laughs> of this order. And, you, you know, again, if, if it was revealed in Star Wars that the Order of the Jedi's goal was to seek the Holy Grail, I would walk <laughs> out of the theater. That would be the dumbest reveal. <laughs> well, Metachlorians was a pretty dumb reveal. Uh, I'd, I'd suppress that. That is, uh, man, I, I hate it when like movies try to explain why their nonsense makes sense with sciencey sounding stuff. It's like, yeah, don't do why, why, what does that add? What does that add? Nothing. Just revel in the mystery, stay in the mystery. Allow exactly. us to come up with our own solutions. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, okay. Spoiler alert. The good guys win the firefight, uh, except for all this. He arguably does not win because he dies. Correct. Yes. And, you know, I guess he does say everything I own goes to this dude and Sinclair's mm-hmm. a witness. Yeah. But nobody bats an eye when Thomas shows up in that last episode wearing the guy's clothes. <laughs> It's like, man, even if I leave you some stuff in my will, it's a little tacky to show up later that afternoon wearing my pants. At least he cleaned off the bloodstain, I suppose. <laughs> oh, God. Right. Uh, and he had that big, the, the official order stick. Yeah. Big staff. And I love when the guys, the guy asked, can I learn how to fight like that? And Elvis <laughs> is like, you learn whatever you want, dude. So, <laughs> which I thought was a great answer. Yeah. That's what I would say. It's like, yeah, go learn. Oh, I'm not going to teach you it. Like, no, <laughs> that's not, that's not the kind of order we are. Well, he's probably thinking, I move far too fast to teach you. You, you cannot ever keep up with me. <laughs> <laughs> I liked Elvis. I like <laughs> Jinx's slash Thomas's. Uh, little arc and how he at the end he's like my name is thomas and i had forgotten that he wasn't called by his name yeah you know again they just didn't have long enough in the episode to really make you care a lot about mm. uh about all these characters but still yeah. that was a fun speed run then we had some funny epilogue scenes where garibaldi goes and tells londo that the feeder's dead but you have to watch out because it gets really quiet when there are feeders around and he leaves Veer outside, <laughs> locked out of the quarters. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's hilarious. It's hilarious to watch, right? But yeah, you know, <laughs> if these people really were terrified about the feeder, then everyone in this situation acted like a garbage human being, except for Veer. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like Garibaldi terrorizing the, the local <laughs> ambassadors with tales of whatever they they have phobias about, and, and Londo abandoning. <laughs> Fear needs to file an HR complaint with Centauri Prime. He really does. Lando was brutal to him this episode, and they even had a shot of him just glaring at Lando <laughs> yeah. from behind. And I, I thought, I thought the last scene was going to be that some comeuppance, some like mm-hmm. you know, Veer locks Lando out, or you know, I don't know. <laughs> so yeah, that was a funny scene. I love when Garibaldi says, uh, "And it's dead," and Lando's like. How do you know it's not just resting? <laughs> yeah. That was a great line. They're very clever, those. Very clever. <laughs> the very last scene is where they're watching Jinx depart and they're all holding their breath just in case it, the station blows up and then the oh, bomb yeah. gets the last words, which I thought was fun. And everyone's like, you don't, you don't believe the curse, do you? No, 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 no. You, do you? No, no, no. Of course not. And yeah. yeah, of course. <laughs> you, everyone's holding their breath. Yeah. I, I did enjoy that yeah. and then Ivana was like no boom today boom tomorrow yeah it's always a boom tomorrow sooner or later boom yeah 
which given given the current state of the world felt a little close to home but yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> very on on character for Ivanova. yeah so what do you think of the episode yeah i enjoyed this one i enjoyed this one yeah. it had a lot it had some great classic lando comedy relief it had some good camp the courtroom mm-hmm. was great with the with the glowing bar, you know, to make sure you remembered it was this it was space court. You know, we got a new mob boss. I'm surprised they didn't loop in the mantis. It felt like they looped in the mantis every single time they had to remind you that you were in the criminal underworld. Yeah. Yeah, it was goofy. You know, it had a lot of corny, a lot of a lot of cheesy stuff, but like again, that's what I'm here for. So yeah, I, mm-hmm. I really I, I really like this episode yeah i really like this episode yeah for me it was a bit too much corn from my taste yeah i guess i don't disagree with that and (laughs) and and some of the the tone wasn't always consistent like that opening scene with the woman that the mob boss had kid like that's really Mm -hmm. dark that's a really dark scene right i mean like she was a witness to him terrorizing people and now he's basically lobotomizing her and like we're watching her struggle in these last like for the overall tone of you know i guess i get babylon 5 isn't lighthearted, i guess but it is mm-hmm. campy and sometimes yeah sometimes the stuff they pull and you know the judge at the end you know same thing right like mm-hmm. i think one of the things i struggled with with the episode was the character that plays the mob boss is not quite a main character but a very pivotal character in the deadwood series Oh, okay, um, from mid two thousands, it's a western series, very good. But in that series, he plays like a bumbling buffoon that gets picked on a lot. So I just couldn't overlook that when the uh, you know looking at that guy. I was like, I just keep expecting him to act a little bit differently from where, where he's at. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. No, I, I hadn't seen that show. Yeah, I thought the mob boss was okay. He didn't blow me away. He didn't steal any scenes, as far yeah. as I was concerned. Yeah. But. He was adequate as a mob boss. <laughs> he was adequate. I mean, yeah, so I, I kind of agree with you that it was maybe a little too much corn to mm-hmm. for the tone of the episode. The, it was trying to be a serious episode, and I think the, the corn kind of undercut that. Yeah. Like, for example, the courtroom scene where he's threatening the guy mm-hmm. literally right before the judge calls him up. Yeah. And, and Garibaldi's standing like 10 feet away. Come on, Garibaldi. What are right, you doing, man? Exactly. It's like... I get that the implication was, oh, the witness is gone, his hands are tied. But like, guys, you're you're watching this person you know is an extortionist extort someone in court. <laughs> exactly, whisper threatening things to this terrified dude who just begged to be allowed to stay on the station. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, he's extorting them, guys, right in front of you in court. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I I agree with your assessment, Eric. I think maybe a little too much corn for the. Uh, for the tone of this episode but yeah you know i try not to be too negative and i did enjoy watching it so <laughs> yeah there you go. enjoyable but a bit corny which is good corny well i hope uh i hope our podcast wasn't too corny i'm recording this at the end of a very long day so i apologize if i was not coherent or yep. you know less <laughs> coherent than usual <laughs> So as we wrap up today's episode, just a production note for everyone following along. Uh, next episode we'll be watching is Eyes, the season one episode, which you'll be able to find on HBO Max. Or if you have the DVDs, like my friend Andrew, you can watch all the DVDs in order that they're, they were produced. Just saying. Anyways. Problems I don't have a DVD <laughs> player. 
<laughs> was this 2004? You always have to have backups. Always have to have backups. It's true. It's true. I need to give those back to you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm worried I'll take them to my grave at this point. <laughs> All right. Next episode is eyes. Can't wait. Next episode is eyes. Yep. And with that, friends, we bid you adieu. Have and, a great uh, evening, everyone. And a good eating good to you eating all. Good eating to you. <laughs>